that you tossed and driven on the restless sea of time. So the skies and howl of tenders all should see the bright sunshine. In that land of perfect day, when the mists are rolled away, we will understand it better by and by. I pray that everybody is blessed and safe and whole this morning. I pray that God's power and strength are upon you and that you're feeling the blessing of the Lord in your life and over your family. I pray that your families are safe and that you feel strengthened this morning and encouraged. And we hope that we can say some words today that will further encourage and strengthen you uh, as you go on this journey this morning. Uh, from Bright Temple, we just want to say welcome to each of you who've joined with us. If you're a member of our church or if not, we praise God for you and we thank God that you're with us. And we want to pray briefly with you right now. If you will, if you'll bow your head. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to come together to worship and to speak to your people. Lord, we ask that you strengthen us through your words. Allow your your word to find search our hearts and our minds. Find anything that's not like you, Lord, and put us on the path that you would have us to go, that we may be strengthened, that we may be encouraged. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, and God bless you. I'm going to be sharing with you this morning, and I pray that you are in tune to hear God's word. Uh, as it relates to the word, we will be looking in the word at Second Kings, the fifth chapter. Again, that's Second Kings chapter 5. And uh, we'll be looking, we'll start at verse one there. Again, that's 2 Kings chapter five. And we will start there at verse one. So you can begin looking at that as we continue to speak. I pray that you are, as we pray for you, and uh, as we seek God's word for you. Again, that's 2 Kings chapter five, verse one. We're going to continue from where we were on this past Sunday. This past Sunday, we shared with you a word that many of you shared with us was very that spoke deeply to you that really spoke to your situation we share the word as it relates to expecting a next we st simply were talking about expecting a next and we encourage each of you to expect a next in your own lives today we want to talk about preparing for next because i believe that expectation should breed preparation Again, expectation should breed preparation because the Bible admonishes us that faith without works is dead being alone. That means we can't just simply expect it and believe that it will happen, but we have to, our actions have to change. How we act with regard to what God has told us has to change if we truly expect great things to happen in our lives. Now, I told you to go with us to 2 Kings uh, chapter 5, verse 1. If you will meet us there in the Word, we're going to start at uh, verse 1, and then we were, are going to skip down to verse 9. The Word of the Lord there says in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1, from the English Standard Version, Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master, and in high favor because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Now the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, Naaman's wife, would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his Lord, thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. We're skipping down to verse nine. And the word says, so Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. 
But Naaman was angry and went away saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me, stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farfar the rivers of Damascus better to wash in than all the waters of Israel? And could I not wash in them and be clean? But his servants came near and said to him, My father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. God bless the reading of his word. Lord, just open our hearts and our minds and our spirit to be receptive to what you have to say to us in these few destiny moments. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, this is a very familiar passage of scripture, very familiar story, the story of Naaman, who was a leper. And I just want to share a few principles with you this morning, and I hope that they will be a blessing to you. First of all, the thing that we note in the chapter, in this scripture, when we're talking about Naaman, Naaman had a lot of accolades. It says that Naaman, who was a great man with his master, a great man in the kingdom, a, a great man in the land of Syria. He was a great captain of the host that uh, he was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. What I found is that sometimes, and many of us, we, we experience it in our own lives. I don't know what it is in your life, but what is your disqualifier? I want you to think about that. What is your disqualifier? What is it that is in your life that tends to try and disqualify you from everything else that God is trying to do for you? I want you to think about that for a moment. What is your disqualifier? Many of you, you're, what is, or what is the but in your life? They might say that, well, uh, she, he, he's, a, he's a good man, but, or she's a good woman, but, he, he is a good father, but, she is a good worker, but he is a good friend to me, but it seems to be that all of us have a but in our lives, something that tends to try to disqualify us from the destiny that God has assigned to us. And it's not just us. It's been since biblical times. I, Abraham was a, a man of great faith, but he had issues telling the truth sometimes. Moses, he, he was the, the leader of Israel. He's the greatest, maybe the greatest leader in all of Israel history. But he had trouble with speech. He had a confidence problem. When God called on him to deliver the people of Israel, he said, but Lord, who am I to go speak to Pharaoh? David, we, we love David. I say many of us, we identify with David and his faults because we, we feel close to him. David, oftentimes, he, he just slipped up. David made mistakes. David was an adulterer. David was at least a conspirator to murder. David was also violent because of the blood that was on his hands that he was unable to build the temple. There were many things. David had many faults. So there were disqualifiers even in the life of David. When I think of Paul, Paul said, he said, Lord, the Lord has given me a thorn in the flesh. This thorn that I can't get rid of. And Paul, maybe the greatest apostle of all times and one of the greatest writers in the Bible, there was a but in his life. There was something that came along that tended to disqualify the destiny that God had assigned to him. And I want to understand, and, and you need to understand, what is the but in my life? What is the thing that tries to disqualify me? The thing about it is that when this disqualifier comes along, we have to understand that it's other people who try to use that to cancel our destiny, to cancel our purpose, to cancel the plan that God has for our lives. One thing I want to tell you, don't internalize the disqualifier. And I want you to get that in your notes for those who are taking notes. Share that with somebody else. Don't internalize the disqualifier. That thing that people, that butt that people use to try and keep you down or to hold you back. You know, sometimes it's like it's we have friends who I don't know if they're friends or if they're uh, or, or if they're haters disguised as friends. 
They will say wonderful things about you, but it's like they cannot finish saying something good without including something bad. Do you know people like that? If you can, just give me that hand emoji. Put that hand up for me. It's like they, they give you a compliment, but at the same time, they have to say something negative as if, and they add the negative thing as if that disqualifies everything positive about you. Like, oh yeah, she, she, she's a good mother, but she ran off her husband. She's a good single mother as if single disqualifies the good things that you're doing. Oh yeah, he, he, he's a good guy, but you know, he has a history, you know, but you know, he, you know, he went to jail. You know he has a past. You you know he he has children by a, a lot of different other women. They insert that but it's like they're it's like they're 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 complimenting you, but they spend more time on the disqualifier than they do on the compliment. They'll say the compliment real quickly, but then they will spend extra time on the but, on the thing that seems to bring you down. And I want you to understand that. That's what Naaman was experiencing. Naaman, yes, he was a great man with his master. Yes, man, he was a captain of the host. Yes, he was a great leader, but disqualifier, but he was a leper. I want to let you know, first of all, I, I'll say it again. Don't internalize the disqualifier. I don't care what people say. Don't internalize it. Don't internalize it. Don't let it get in your head. Don't let it get in your mind. Don't don't allow it to cause you to not step out on what God has called you to do. Don't allow it to to try to disrupt your destiny or God's plan for you. Don't let it put off your purpose. <laughs> don't let it disrupt your destiny. Don't cause it to forfeit your future. God has so much for you, so much for you. And I need you to say that for yourself. Just if you just make that comment for yourself, just say it and put an exclamation point in at the end of it. Say, God has so much for me. God has so much for me. Or you might, might even put it this way. God has too much for me. God has too much laid up for me, for me to get stuck on what somebody says about me. David put it this way. He said, yeah, I got haters. I got detractors. I got people trying to disqualify me. He said, but when my enemies came to eat of my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host shall encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war shall rage against me, and this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. David said, I'm not going to be put off by somebody trying to disqualify what God has already spoken over my life. And in fact, the next time somebody tries to disqualify you, tell them it's too late. It's too late. It's too late. Hashtag that. It's too late. It's too late. <laughs> they could have stopped you if God hadn't spoken it. But it's too late because God has already spoken it. God has already declared it. And once God has declared it, it shall be. The power of declaration. We have power of declaration in our tongue. But, but I want you to know that power is, is, is emphasized. That power is, is exponentially more powerful when God speaks it over your life. You think you speaking something over your life has power. Baby, just wait when God does it. When God says it shall be, when God says you shall have it, when God says who you are, baby, he has made a declaration and it is too late for anybody to disqualify you from what God has declared over your life. It's too late. Let them know it's too late. It's too late. They can't, they can't do anything about it. It's too late. God has already spoken it. It's too late. They can't take back what God gave me. It's too late. They can't remove the, the, the blessing that God has declared over my life. It's too late. And all the devil is trying to do is undermine what God has already said. That's all he can do. Undermine it. <laughs> the devil wants you to walk away from what God has already declared for you, from what God has already given you. I want you to get that in your spirit this week. 
when somebody says something that hurts your feeling, when somebody says something that tries to de de decline what God has already authorized, tell them it's too late. God has already spoken it. God has already said it. It's too late to take back what God has already declared in my life. It's too late. Naaman, he had this disqualifier in his life. Yes, he was great, but he was a leper. So Naaman, like you, if God has declared something in your life, then that means I can't be stuck where I am. It's not possible. I cannot be stuck where I am. Say that to yourself. Speak that to yourself in the mirror. When you feel down, when you feel depressed, when you feel anxiety closing in your life, just remind yourself, God has spoken over my life, so I cannot be stuck where I am. God has too much left for me. God has too much laid before me. There's too much left for me to accomplish. I cannot be stuck right here. Naaman was living with expectancy, and I, I, I challenge you to live with expectation. Expect the next. Expect something else in your life. Naaman was saying, God has given me too much for, for leprosy to be my last chapter. He's given me too much for me to die right here. He's given me too much for me not to expect him to do something else in my life. I'm expecting him to do something else. And I, I need you to, if you didn't get anything else from our message on last week, please get that. I'm expecting God to do something else. I'm expecting him to do something else. That's why you can't get too caught up in your past, whether it's positive or negative, because you ought to expect God to do something else. Oh, yes, he's been good to me in my past. <laughs> he's been good to me in my past, but I'm expecting him to do something else. Yes, he was good to me on last year, but baby, I'm expecting him to do something else. Maybe I, maybe I don't even have everything that I, that I desire this year, but that's all right. I'm expecting God to do something else. Songwriter put it this way. He's not through with me. He's not through. Bishop White said, God's not through blessing you. He's not through. His work is not complete in you. As long as you're living, his work is not com complete. This is a good test to know whether God's through with you. Try this test with me. Put your hand up. If you can feel your breath, God's not through with you. <laughs> He's not through. He's not done. His work is not finished. His work is not complete. And since his work is not complete, remember the breath test. If you can breathe into your hand and you felt your breath, God's not through. So what you ought to do next? David said, let everything that have breath. Praise the Lord. We ought to give God the glory, the honor, the, the praise that he is due. It doesn't matter where you are. You might not be in a church building, but God is yet worthy to be praised. You might not hear the cymbals, the, the drums. You might not hear the organ or the keyboard, but, but everything that hath breath, you ought to praise the Lord. If you're praising him for one thing, if you only need one thing to praise him for, it's recognition of God. He's not through with you. He's not through with me. Naaman lived with that expectation. He believed that God was not finished with him. He believed that God was not through. So what was he expecting? He's expecting God to move on his behalf. So he was listening. Let me get that to somebody. You need to be listening. I'm listening. I'm listening because I, I've spoken this before and I need you to get it in your spirit. As long as you're alive, God is speaking. God is speaking. God's speaking to you. He's talking to you. He has a word for you. The question is, are your ears and your heart and your faith in tune to what God is trying to say? It's not a matter of whether he's speaking. It's a matter of whether your heart and your spirit and your faith are in tune with what he's trying to say. So you might need a tune up. Your faith may need a tune up. Even when God was speaking a miracle over the centurion, the centurion said, he, he said, I, I, I'm not worthy that you should come to my house. But if you just speak a word, my servant shall be healed. Jesus told him to I have faith and only believe. 
And the centurion said, well, Lord, help my unbelief. If we're not hearing the voice of the Lord, we need to pray to God, Lord, help our unbelief, help our faith that we may reach out and be in tune with what your word is trying to say with us, say to us. Naaman was trying to listen. He expected a word and he got it from the maid of his wife. His wife's handmaid had a word. And the word for him was, there is a prophet in Israel. <laughs> there is a solution to what you're facing. And I, and I need to give that to somebody today. There is a solution to what you're facing just because you don't see it. There's a solution to what you're facing. Song says, is there a bomb in Gilead? Is there a bomb in Gilead? Yes, there is a bomb for what we're suffering with. There is a solution for what we're facing. We won't always be here. It's okay for you to give your hater your current address because you won't always be there. <laughs> Let me, why don't you share that with your haters? It's fine that you have my address because I won't always be here. It's fine that you know where I am at this moment. It's okay that you see me wallowing through the valley of the shadow of death. That's fine that you have my address. That's fine that you have my location because I won't always be here. This is not my final destination. I dare you to share that with somebody. It's not my final destination. I'm here right now, but it's not my final destination. I won't always be in this place. I won't always be in this location, but God has something more in store for me. God has something greater for me. This is just a stop along the way, but God has something greater. This is where I am now, and there is purpose in where I am now, but I won't always be here. I won't always be here. Your enemy one day, he'll look for you in the place where you've fallen, and he'll be so disappointed to realize that you've moved on. <laughs> They'll look for you, but you won't be there. They're going to look for, remember, the disqualifier. They're going to wait on that disqualifying thing about you to drop you and for you to be left right there. But just because you left me doesn't mean God left me. And I'm speaking that to somebody who had some things and some people to walk out of your life. You had some supervisors to, 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 you had some jobs that walked out of your life. You had some people who walked out of your life. You had a spouse that walked out of your life. You had relatives who, who left you on the side of the curb for dead and hoped that you would shrivel up and die. But just because you left me, that doesn't mean God left me. God still had purpose tied up in me. God didn't leave his investment. God had too much invested in my life, so he didn't leave me where I am. God has not left you. <laughs> Sometimes God allows people, get this, walk, walk with me here. Sometimes God allows people to leave you because he wanted you to himself. Get that in your spirit. We know God is selfish. He said, "My our God is a jealous God. Thou shalt have nothing, no other God, no, nothing before me. Jesus said, you have to leave husband and mother and wife and father to follow after me. Take, he said, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Our God is a jealous God. Sometimes he allows people to walk out of your life who are getting in the way of your destiny. Mm. Think of that. They walked out and you were all upset and frustrated and sad and mad that they left and God let them leave because they were in the way of your destiny. They were in the path of what he had for you. In fact, God knew that that person was occupying so much space that if they didn't leave, he couldn't give you something better. If they didn't leave, he couldn't give you something better. Praise God that my, my wife and I, we have a we have a garage at our house. I praise God for the garage, especially on rainy days. It's a two-car garage. And it's a two-car garage. You're not going to fit more than two cars in it. 
If God wanted to bless us with something greater, we're going to have to make room for what he wants to do. Can't get a third car in there. One of the ones we have might have to go, have to trade it in, have to let it go. If he has something bigger and something better and something greater. I'm saying that to somebody who needs to release. You're holding on to feelings for somebody you, that you were in a relationship a long time ago. God said it's time to let that go. You're holding on to something that God says until you release it. I can't give you something better. God's saying, let it go. Let it go. Let it go. In fact, the problem is when you're waiting on somebody to come back, guess what? That means you don't move. And I, I need that to stick with you. If I'm waiting on somebody to come back to where I am, then I can't move. That means I'm stuck because I'm waiting on them to come back. So if I move, they will go back to a place where I no longer am. That's why sometimes God has you release people because they were fine where you were, but they are not suited for where you're going. I, I, I need that to get in your spirit. Let me say it again. First of all, you can't wait on people to come back because God has a place he wants you to go. And then once you get to that place where he wants you to go, the person that was in your past, they were fine where you were, but they not may not be ready or suited for where you're going. Sometimes you have to release them. You have to let it go. You have to allow God to move you forward and to move forward. Sometimes moving forward requires you letting go. I say this a lot, but it's just it's just apropos. You have to scale down what you're taking when you when you take a flight. You go on an airplane, can't take everything. Can't take your foreman grill. You might like it. Can't take it with you. Some of you, if you, you're going to take a pet, it's going to cost you more. You might have to leave. Might have to leave Fido at home. You only have so much money. You might not have enough money to buy tickets for all your friends. They might have to stay home. What I'm telling you is to go to another level, to go to a higher place. Sometimes God has to remove some things, remove the clutter so that you can go to a higher place in him. Your enemy is not going to find you where they left you because God is taking you to a higher place. Naaman, he was listening. He was in tune. He was expecting. He was listening to the voice of even his, his wife's handmaid who told him to go to the prophet. So he had to do, he had to leave, he had to go. So he went to Elijah, but once he got to Elijah, listen to this, he was listening with expectancy. He, he had dominion over his disqualifier. He didn't internalize it. But I want you to understand this and I need you to get this. I need you to want to be delivered more than you want to look delivered. I need you to want to be delivered more than you want to look delivered. Be delivered over wanting to look delivered. Can I give you an example of that? Oh, yes. Let me, let me tell you. So when sometimes God has something for you, he might give it to you, but your immediate situation does not change. Notice with David. Samuel came to the house of David and anointed him as king over all of Israel. He's anointed as king over all of Israel. The, the next king who will, he will be the greatest king in the history of Israel. He's anointed king of Israel. But guess where you can find the freshly anointed king of Israel? In the fields behind his father's house. Attending to the sheep. Shoveling sheep dung. That's the next king of Israel. Yes, he was anointed, but he had to go right back to attend to the sheep. God had taken him to a higher level. God had anointed him for a higher place, but it didn't look any different. 
And that's why I need you to get that because sometimes when God delivers you, when God takes you to a higher place, it doesn't look any different. Your environment doesn't change. So sometimes many of us, we would rather just go throw the God. Give me the robe. Don't make me. Don't anoint me. King, just give me the robe. Give me the robe and give me the crown. And I'm going to walk around town with a robe and a crown on. But I haven't been anointed. Some people would prefer the robe and the crown over the anointed. I want you to get that. They would rather have the robe and the crown rather than be anointed. God says to us, well, God said that we are, are a royal priesthood, a holy nation called out of darkness into the marvelous light. But many of us, we're not anointed, but we're ready for elevation. We don't want the cross, but we want the crown. We don't want to experience reverses in our lives, but we want the road. We want to look anointed more than we want to be anointed. I need you to get in your heart that you need to desire to be delivered more than you desire to look delivered. Let me tell you, sometimes it, it gets put you in a place, Jacob, when he wrestled with the angel. Physiologically, people would say Jacob was in a worse position after he wrestled than he was before. Because the angel had touched the hollow part of his hip and, and, and Jacob had a limp when he walked away from that scuffle. But guess what? God had changed his name. He said, you should no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. Because you have power with God and you're going to have power with men. He was anointed. God had elevated him. But he looked like he was worse off than when he started. I need you all to get that. Come on here. An, an average observer would have said, Jacob, why did you wrestle with that man? You went in there without a limp and you came back with a limp. They didn't understand that God had changed his name. No longer will you be called Jacob, but you'll be called Israel because you have dominion. You have authority with God. And I need you to get that. When God elevates you, when God takes you to another level, he, he's going to elevate you. But just it may not look different on the outside. You might still be in the back of the field shoveling sheep down. You might walk away with the limp. But I want you to desire to be delivered, overlooking delivered. And Naaman in our text, he struggled with that. He struggled with it. Because, see, Naaman, when he came to the house of Elisha, he had his robe on. He had his chariots with him. He had his men with him. And he comes to the house of, of Elisha. And Elisha, <laughs> something about me, I just love Elisha. I just think God has a sense of humor in the Bible. I can just see Elisha sitting in his comfortable chair and his and the servant coming and telling him, he's like, uh, well, the, there's some chariots outside with a lot of horsemen and, 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 and they want to see you. And he's like, oh, all right, go send him a message for me. <laughs> Something about that, that, that humors me. I, I, I just, I, I just, it, it's like God has a sense of humor. He's got his robe on. He's got his vestments on. He's got his garments on. He's got his chariot. He's got his men with him. He's coming all his regalia. And the little prophet from Samaria sends his little servant boy out there to talk to him. Remember, you need desire to be delivered overlooking delivered. It's not about how it looks. That's why we need to seek God's face and not his hand. We've come up in an era and I, I pray that this era is passing where we judge our relationship with God based on what we have. What it looks like on the outside. But I need you to want to be delivered more than looking delivered. Elisha sends a little boy out there and says, well, this is what I need you to do. And, I, and I'm giving you I'm giving you what I'm going to tell you what Naaman heard, not what the, what what the boy said. This is what name. This is what Naaman heard. Naaman heard, first of all, Naaman's like, who's this little boy coming out here? It's not even the prophet. And then he says, the prophet says, you need to go wash in the dirty Jordan River 
seven times. Go take all your little your little crew down to the Jordan River and go wash seven times in the dirty Jordan. That, that's what Naaman heard. That's what it was. I'm just telling you that that's that's what it heard. So Naaman, he's upset. I want you to get that. Look, look at the text there. Look at the text down in verses 9, 10, 11, and 12. Again, we're in 2 Kings chapter 5. Naaman gets so upset, he walks away frustrated and upset. He's like, in other words, he's like walking around. He's like, I ain't doing that. That's crazy. He said, I know, get this. Maybe, maybe the two most frustrating things about this. You don't know how to heal yourself, but Naaman says, I know waters that are cleaner. I know waters that I can wash and they're better than all of the rivers of Jerusalem, of all the, the rivers of Israel. My thought process is, name it, if you know so much, why don't you go wash there yourself before coming to the prophet, if you know so much? And we might laugh at him, but before you laugh, sometimes God gives us a solution. God has declared our deliverance. God has told us where our finish line is, but we'll say, wait, wait, God, wait. I, I, I know you told me to go to her, but there's some other people that need help. No, God told you to go to her and help her. You're like, God says, push the plate away. God says, I need you to consecrate. You're like, Lord, well, hold on, Lord. I, I just went to the doctor. And the doctor says, I, I need to eat so many meals a day. If you know so much, why are you asking God? Don't push David away. Let me say it that way. Don't push David away. Don't push him away because see what happens is remember Samuel was in the house of Jesse and David walked in the door and David didn't look like the rest of his brothers. He wasn't tall. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't look as handsome as they are. And, and, and the first instinct in his mind is obvious. Even in the writing is he looks at him and like, boy, that can't be it. Don't dismiss David. I'm telling you in your life, hashtag that don't dismiss David. Some of you will have dismissed David because it didn't look like the way you wanted to be delivered. Don't dismiss him. God is trying to show you something, nothing else. God is testing your faith. God brings you a blessing that doesn't look like the way you expected it. So you know it's him. So that you give him the credit, so that you give him the glory. So you don't get confused and think you figured out your own deliverance. If you figured it out for yourself, you're not going to give God all the glory. But God knows when he brings it to you in a manner that you didn't anticipate, in a way that you didn't expect, that you're stepping out on faith to trust him, that that is my deliverance. That that's my way out. You're having to trust him. Tell you again, don't dismiss David. You don't get anything else. Don't dismiss him. David might walk in your house this week. In fact, I'm declaring that in your life right now in the name of Jesus, Lord. Let David walk into their house. Let David walk into their situation. Let David walk into their financial situation. Let David walk in on their job, Lord. Let David walk in on their relationship situation. Let David walk in. And I'm telling you, don't dismiss David. May not look like what you're expecting, but God, David is the promise. David is the one who, who will cause the oil to flow forth. Remember how, what the text said, the oil would not flow until David came in. There was oil. There was a container. But God caused oil, get this, to defy gravity. It would not pour until David walked in would not pour until he walked in don't dismiss david this week i'm declaring it in your life this week he's going to walk in god's going to send the blessing in your direction god's going to send the promise in your direction god's going to send the anointing in your direction don't dismiss it god's trying to do something new in your life and just because it doesn't look like what you were expecting don't let it go don't let it slide don't dismiss david don't dismiss david god's sending him in your direction I got to close in a, in a minute here, but but what I want to also get, give this to you. When he decides his servants get, get this, because you, you, you got to be careful who you listen to when you are expecting something from God, you have to be in tune because you might get a message from a servant. Balaam got a message from a donkey. It might be a small cloud that's out on the middle of the of the ocean. 
It, it may be a very small thing, an, an unexpected messenger to bring you what God is trying to do. For Remember, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Get this. The evidence of things not seen. Sometimes we miss the evidence. You're too busy looking for the thing that you miss out on the evidence. Don't miss the evidence. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. God sending you some evidence. It may not be the thing, but it, but it's the evidence. The cloud wasn't the rain, but it was the evidence of what God is trying to send in your life. Don't miss the evidence. In fact, this is what you ought to do. When the evidence comes, you ought to praise God for the evidence. Praise God for the evidence. No, I, I, I didn't see get the job. I haven't gotten the job yet, but, but somebody called me back for an interview. Praise God for the evidence. I, my financial situation hasn't turned around yet, but I, I got to they revoked something that was on my credit report and my credit rating went up. Baby, God is sending you some evidence. My, my, my child hasn't gotten saved yet, but he called me for the first time in several months. God is sending you some evidence. And I'm telling you right now, not, not only do you don't dismiss David, but praise God for the evidence. Praise God for the evidence of what he's about to do, what he's going to do in your life. Don't, don't wait for the thing to come, but praise him for the evidence. That's why the writer said, don't wait till the battle is over. Shout now, give God glory, give God praise right now for what he's doing, for the evidence that he's sending in your life. Because as long as I did my breath test, I'm breathing. So that means God has something else for me in my life. God is not leaving me right here. God, I, God, I might not know what tomorrow holds, but I know he holds tomorrow and I know he holds my hand. God is not through with me. There is something next for me. So I am preparing for what God is about to do next in my life. I'm preparing. I'm about finished, but let me close with this. So the servants of Naaman. They tell him if he if the prophet had asked you to do something really hard, wouldn't you have done it? If they had asked you to do something difficult, wouldn't you have tried it? All he said, do is go wash, go wash and you shall be healed and you shall be delivered. Naming the simplicity, sometimes the simplicity of what God gives you confounds you. You're like, God, it can't be that simple. But see, it's not the simplicity, it's the obedience. It's not that God wants you to complete a Herculean task. Can you be obedient in the simple things? The Bible says to despise not the day of small things. Can you be obedient in the simple things? Jesus, remember the simple thing Jesus said to the disciples when he was in the garden of Gethsemane. Can you not pray with me one hour? Can you tarry with me one hour? The simple things. God is not looking for you to do something amazing or Herculean. God is the amazing one. He's the one that can do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask a thing. He's not expecting you to climb the mountain. He wants you to have enough faith to speak to the mountain. The simple things that God requires and desires from us, sometimes we miss out because we won't do the simple things. If we do the simple things, God said, I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to do the amazing. I'm going to do the fantastic. I'm going to do the thing that blows your mind if you trust me to do the simple thing. Trust God and do the simple thing. So Naaman, we know the story. Naaman goes down. He goes down to the Jordan River. He goes to wash in the Jordan River and it's important that he washed in the Jordan because his deliverance was in the Jordan. His deliverance wasn't in the Abana of Harford Rivers. His deliverance is where God told him it was. So I want you to understand that it doesn't matter how much energy you expend if you're not obedient. Doesn't matter how much shouting you do, doesn't matter how much fasting you do, doesn't matter how much praying you do, doesn't matter how much crying you do, if you're not obedient. This was a test of obedience. We don't want to talk about obedience. We want to talk about the blessings, the, the praises go up and the blessings come down. We want to get shouting happy about that. But, but his blessing and his deliverance and his healing was in obedience. Jesus said, why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the thing that I say. 
Why, 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 why are you even following me if you're not going to do what I said? Isn't obedience greater than sacrifice? It's more important than we're that we're obedient. Again, you have to value being delivered over looking delivered. You can look cute, dress up, do all you want to do and declare to everybody else. Everybody else might be impressed with what you're doing. But if you're not obedient, you're not going to be delivered. You have to be obedient. Prophet told him to go down to Jordan and I have to close in the next couple minutes. Go down to the Jordan River. Your blessing and your healing is in the Jordan. So uh, Naaman goes down to the Jordan and he's washing there. And it said wash seven times two pieces of obedience. Two things he had to do. He had to go wash in the right river and he had to do it seven times. That's it. That's it. Simplicity. But the test was of obedience, not of effort. Remember, we're not saved by our works. By grace are you saved through faith. That not of works, it is a gift of God. God's doing the hard work if we're obedient. He goes to wash and I can imagine he's frustrated. I can imagine he's upset. Now remember, remember how he came. I want you to go back in the text. Remember how he came to see Elisha. He had his full regalia on. He had all his uniform on. He was in his chariot. He had his, he had his whole group with him. He had all of his folks with him. And a part of him, a part of his human, human side said, I'm not going to go wash in my good stuff in this old dirty Jordan River. I got my good stuff on. And some of y'all, if God sent you a word to go wash in your prettiest dress, some of y'all know y'all wouldn't do it. Y'all be like, oh, that must be the devil. <laughs> that's not, that's not, that can't be God telling me to get this dress dirty. Like I said, I'm trying to bring it to human terms because sometimes we make fun and we laugh and, and we demean these people in the Bible. But if you bring it to real terms, sometimes we would have the same hangups they had. I know the Lord isn't speaking to me to do something that's going to mess up this good dress that I just bought. I didn't get this at Marshall's. I paid full price for this. <laughs> that couldn't be God. That must be the devil telling me to mess up my good dress. Naming in his full regalia. And remember, he's in front of all his friends too. Some of y'all act different in front of your friends. Let's keep it real. Some of y'all, we see you in church on a regular Sunday. Oh, you giving God the glory and the praise. You bring your friends. Hallelujah. <laughs> you act a little different when you're surrounded by your friends, when you're active, surrounded by your boys or your girls. <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to give you an, an image of what Naaman was dealing with. All of the humanity he had to push through. He had to push through the fact that he was dressed up in his regalia. He had to push through the fact that he wanted to impress those men who were under him, who were around him. Just think of the disrespect he was dealing with. Now, he's important. He's a captain. And this man has sent his servant out to tell me what to do. That was disrespectful to him. But he had to swallow his pride. He had to swallow his position. Because he had to desire to be delivered more than he looked delivered. And that's a test for you. Do you desire to be delivered? more than you desire to look delivered. Are you ready to go back and tend to the sheep after you're anointed? Are you ready to walk with a limp after you've wrestled with God and he's given you your blessing? He's changed your name. He's taken you to another level. Are you willing to swallow your pride when you're disrespected? Not worry about what those around you think or say. Go get your good clothes, your good dress, your good suit, dirty, to be obedient to the command of God. Are you ready for that? Because I came to tell you, if you're not ready to be delivered and prioritize being delivered over looking delivered, you are not prepared for what God is trying to do next in your life. Can I pray with you? Heavenly Father, Lord, help us as you spoke to us on last week, Lord, first of all, 
We have to expect the next. We have to elevate our level of expectation. We have to pray, Lord, for our unbelief. You're trying our faith, Lord, to expect something great in our lives. But Lord, the next step, because faith without works is dead, being alone, is we have to prepare for what is next. Lord, that means we have to be able to exercise dominion over the disqualifier. Don't allow the butt in our life to define our destiny. Lord, we have to be willing to have our ears open because you may be speaking through us through a maid. You may be speaking to us, Lord, through small things in a whisper that we weren't expecting. Lord, don't allow us to dismiss the anointing. Don't allow us to dismiss David. Don't allow us to dismiss the chosen thing that you have for us in our life just because it does not look like what we wanted. And Lord, help us to prioritize in our life obedience. Lord, we must obedient and remind, be reminded obedience is greater than sacrifice. Help us to prioritize being delivered, overlooking delivered, so that we might be ready and prepared for what you have next in our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you. I pray that you've been blessed by what you've heard on this morning. I pray that you don't dismiss David. I already declared it into your lives. David is coming. David is coming. Hashtag that David is coming. He's coming. So you don't need to dismiss him this week. Be prepared for what God is trying to do in your life. Even if it doesn't look like what you were expected. Be blessed is my prayer for you. I hope and pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by Giveify. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line. And in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple, Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity, and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.